G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Truth these days is no longer thought to be absolute. Black and white has become many shades of grey, it seems. And yet God's word will stand forever. God's word isn't an opinion. It's not mere guidance. It is factual, objective truth. And the question is, how do we share his truth in love with a world that doesn't seem to want to hear. Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond, and thank you so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today we're heading into the final message in this series called When the Lion Roars to discover the power of the truth, God's truth. And please do stay tuned, because in just a few minutes, I'll be sharing something truly special with you to help you live in victory on those days when the daily grind of life just seems to, well, be grinding away at you more than it should be. A couple of thousand years ago, when he was torn between the demands of justice and the demands of a crowd baying for Jesus' blood, A man by the name of Pontius Pilate asked this question, What is truth? That, as it turned out, is a very good question. And if Pilate was still around today and asked that same question again, he'd be right there up with the issues of the times. Truth used to be considered something that's absolute. It's either true or it isn't. But these days, it's become a fluid concept. Your truth is your truth, and my truth is my truth. And if it works for you, buddy, that's great. Go for it. But don't try to foist your truth on me. And that last statement has become the mantra of our times as it supports the 21st century ideology of pluralism. Have you ever wondered exactly what pluralism is? Well, my dictionary tells me that it's a theory or a system where two or more states or groups or principles or sources of authority can coexist. Pluralism is a religious doctrine of the times. In fact, it's the religious doctrine of the times. And the moment you step over its boundaries, the moment you insist on absolute truth, you're considered a conservative, a bigot, an extremist. There are all sorts of stereotypes and labels to describe someone who commits the most heinous crime of this time by insisting that truth, far from being relative and pluralistic, is absolute. Consider the assertions of atheism and secularism towards the Christian faith. Dare you insist that your God exists or that he's the only God or that the outdated morals of the Bible apply to us today? How dare you insist that Jesus is the only way? How dare you? And so, confronted with what today seems like a relentless onslaught on the very foundations of their faith, Christians around the world, and yes, even churches around the world, are getting a bit wobbly about their God and and who he is and what he stands for. Christians are retreating from the marketplace of thought and debate and legislation and culture into enclaves to protect their faith, a bit, it seems, like Custer's last stand, circling the wagons for one last time. But oddly enough, there are still places in this world where truth is absolute 
objective and immovable. Let's start with my dictionary, which tells me that something is true if it is in accordance with fact or reality. If it's real and actual, accurate and exact, the Bible definition of truth, at least, hasn't changed. And there's another place where you find absolute truth, or at least where you expect to find absolute truth. And that place is in our courts. I remember some years ago when I was engaged as an expert witness in a civil litigation in the Supreme Court. I was asked to give my expert opinion on the failure of the implementation of a very large and complex information technology system based on my review of some 1.1 million project documents in Discovery. And as I wrote my expert report, all of 600,000 words, and worked with the lawyers on the case, they were consistently challenging my conclusions. Prove it, they said. that The court requires you not just to say something, but if you say it, to demonstrate that it's actually true based on the evidence in those discovered documents. But in our society, in our culture, people have somehow successfully managed to water down the truth, to turn black and white into 50 shades of grey in order to justify every perversion and evil under the sun. So here I am. I... I believe in Jesus. I believe that one day he will return to judge the living and the dead. I believe that I have the free gift of eternal life because Jesus died for me to pay for my sins and he rose again to give me a new life. Those are the things I hold dear and true and yet the world wants to hound me down and tell me that I'm not being liberal enough or open-minded enough or, or pluralistic enough. While all at the same time, the world is going to hell in a handbag and tearing itself apart through the evil and the strife and the morals that are destroying families, that are robbing children of love and tearing communities and nations apart. What exactly do I do with all of that? Those people need to hear about Jesus, but they're shouting me down. They don't want to listen. Isn't that how many Christians think? Isn't that what's going through so many hearts and minds? So what's the answer? Well, the answer quite simply is this, that despite the fact that the world rejects the God of the Bible, which, by the way, is nothing new, after all, they crucified Jesus, right? God's word is still true. Jesus will still return. Jesus will judge the living and the dead. And that compels you and me and anyone else who believes in Jesus to get out there and share his truth the truth of freedom and salvation in Christ alone, with a world that's headed for the judgment of God. But how do you do that when they don't want to hear? Well, actually, the Bible tells us exactly how. Ephesians 4, 12 to 15. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness in deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way to him who is the head into Christ. And again, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 to 26. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kindly to everyone, an apt teacher, patient, correcting opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant that they will repent and come to know the truth, and that they may escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. See, the answer is to speak the truth in love and correct with gentleness. I've heard so many Christians out there condemning the world and shouting hatred at people. Hey, Jesus never did that. In fact, those so-called Christians are no better than the gun-toting, bomb-throwing extremists of other religions. The way to change the world is to speak the truth in love. God's unwavering, unchanging, 
unfailing truth, speak it in love so that God may perhaps grant that some will repent and come to a knowledge of the truth. His truth, the one truth that saves. There have been so many times in history where groupthink has taken over and evil has reigned and all, or almost all, were led astray. Look at the Nazi regime that sparked World War II. Go back as far as the Roman Empire, whose symbology and methods Hitler drew on. Time and time and time again, people like lemmings have flocked together only to plunge to their death and destruction. And as I said the other week on the program, all that is required for evil to prosper is for good men and good women to stand idly by and do nothing and say nothing. Well, if you and I believe in Jesus, that's just not an option for us. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. John chapter 14, verse 6. And then to prove it, he died for you. He died for me so that his truth written in his blood would be spoken to our hearts through the love of sacrifice. There, right there, is the model, the approach for us to follow. To speak the truth in love, to correct with gentleness, not with guile and hatred and vitriol and finger-pointing and and condemnation as some do, but with love, the sublime love that is so vividly painted on that cross in crimson red in the blood of Jesus. And no matter how dark the thoughts and beliefs and practices of our times may become, all that it needs is one small glimmer, one small flame to shed the light of the truth into this world. And that one small glimmer, that one small flame, that's you. I'm Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. Life can be hard work some days, and as that daily grind just kind of grinds away at us, it's easy to forget that Jesus died and rose again to give us victory. That's why I'd love to send you a short text message of encouragement straight to your phone, just as the Spirit leads, perhaps even when you least expect it. That's what Victory SMS is all about. Roughly every other week, I ask the Lord, what word of encouragement could I give to you today? So if you'd like the occasional bit of encouragement to help you live your life in victory, then head across to victorysms.org and when you do subscribe, you'll immediately receive a free copy of my ebook, Power Unlimited. Thousands of people already have. And the most common response? Oh, that's exactly what I needed to hear today. How did you know that? Thank you so much. It's simply amazing how powerfully the Spirit of God can move through just a short text message. And I'd love to encourage you too to live your life in victory. Again, that web address is victorysms.org. Okay, let's head straight back into the Word of God. Well, a few weeks back, we kicked off a series of messages called When the Lion Roars, because despite all the terrible things going on in this world, despite the attacks on our faith and on the God of the Bible, despite how hopeless things may appear as as global events of terrorism and of secularism and of all the other isms under the sun sweep the globe, one day, one day, it will all come to an end. 
one day the Lion of Judah, Jesus, will roar. One day he will return to judge the living and the dead and those who have placed their faith in him will have eternal life and live in glory. That's an objective fact. How do I know? Because that's exactly what Jesus says will happen. That's exactly what the Bible says will happen. It is a desperate world hurtling towards judgment that has rejected the God of the Bible, that has rejected the truth of the Bible, that has rejected the love of Jesus. When God speaks, you know, it's not advice. It's not an opinion. It's truth. Well, God has spoken. He's spoken to us through his Son, who is the way and the truth and the life. He's the only way. He's the only truth. And he's the only life. And it's only when we know that truth that the truth can set us free. Yesterday on the program, we spent a bit of time taking a look at the reality of the objective truth of God in the face of today's relativism and pluralism and secularism and and whatever other ism you'd like to name. The question is, though, how exactly do we get that truth across to a world that's intent on going to hell in a handbag? Well, you might recall that we talked about speaking the truth in love and correcting people in gentleness rather than trying to ram truth down their throat. Love is the key because love always ultimately triumphs over evil. Love is the only thing that will defeat Satan in this world. Love is the only thing that will woo the lost to Jesus. Love is what triumphed over evil on the cross of Christ and set you and me free to live out eternity with our God. Love is the key because love rings true to us, made as we are in the image of God, who the Bible tells us is love. Love attests to the truth and nothing attests more to love, in turn, than sacrifice. If you love someone, I mean truly love them, then you will sacrifice for them. And when you do that, the reality of that love will ultimately soften the hardest of hearts. Exactly what Jesus not only said, but did. John chapter 15, verses 13 to 17. No one, he said, has greater love than this, than to lay down your life for a friend. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I don't call you servants any longer because the servant doesn't know what the master's doing, but I've called you friends because I've made known to you everything that I've heard from my father. You didn't choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last so that the father will give you whatever you ask for in my name. I'm giving you these commands so that you may love one another. And with those words... Jesus went to the cross, willingly and without complaint, to die for you and me. His disciples, each one of them so far as we know, ended up dying terrible deaths. Peter, Paul, John and all the others were all martyred because they proclaimed the risen Christ and salvation in him alone, the life eternal that is only available in Jesus. Now, do you think, do you you imagine for one minute that those guys would have laid down their lives for a lie? No. They experienced the love of God through the crucified and then the risen Jesus. And then out of that love, they poured their own lives out to the very end, to the very last drop, to tell others about him. Love testifies to the truth. It declares that the truth is true. And sacrifice testifies to that love. And that, my friend, is the key that opens even the hardest heart. 
When you and I are prepared to sacrifice our lives for the difficult people who curse us, who reject our faith, who belittle us for believing in Jesus, when you and I are prepared to lay down our lives for those people, even whilst they sin against us, just as Jesus laid down his life for us while we were still sinners against him, then and only then will we be a part of God's great plan to win the world back to him. Is it hard? (laughs) Absolutely it is. That's why Jesus said it wasn't about hanging on to our own lives because if we live life like that, ultimately we lose. No, the Jesus plan is about taking up your cross, your own brutal cross, and following him because those who lose their lives for his sake will surely find them. Jesus is the Lamb of God who through his death came to take away the sins of the world. It is that sublime love that you and I are called to share through our own personal sacrificial laying down of our lives so that others too might be saved. And Jesus is the Lion of Judah who one day will roar in judgment, separating his own, those who put their faith in him, their very lives in his death and resurrection, from the evildoers who rejected him. And today, you and I are his hands and feet. You and I are his heart of love. You and I are his voice to speak his love and his truth to a generation that's gone astray. The people in my life who have the greatest license to speak hard truths to me are the ones who've earned that right by sacrificing themselves for me and serving me and loving me when I didn't deserve it. Those people have influenced me so greatly. Those people are the very reason that I'm here with you now, sharing with you the good news that your king reigns, that your king is calling you to live a life of sacrificial love. And you and I too can earn that right to speak into the lives of others through sacrificial love. You and I can be the Lamb of God and the Lion of Judah to the lost around us. That, after all, was always God's plan. Yes, this world does seem as though it's crazy out of control. Yes, these are dark days when our faith in Jesus is tested in the extreme. But in the face of all that, the lion roars. God laughs at men and their petty schemes. Listen to this. Psalm chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds asunder and cast their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord has them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. God is above all the powers and all the rulers and all the situations and all the persecutions and, and all the terrorisms and all the evil events that this world has conjured up. Your king reigns and one day the line of Judah will roar in judgment. In the meantime, to those who love Jesus, to those who have set their hearts like flint to follow hard after him wherever he may lead, he has one simple command. Listen to his words, to you and to me, and let the Spirit of God write them on your heart. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. Jesus says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I'm with you, even unto the end of the age. Get out there. Share the truth. Share the love. The power of Jesus with the people around you. Make disciples of them. Teach them to love God by obeying him. And remember, Jesus is with you unto the ends of the earth, until the end of this age. In the face of all the darkness that threatens to overwhelm this world, you and I 
are the light of the world. You and I are the ones called to go. You and I are called to sacrifice our lives to this cause. You and I. I'm Bernie Diamond and you're listening to Christianity Works. It's a crazy world we live in these days, isn't it? And yet with all that's going on, there's one truth that remains. God is a God who wants to bless us. But all too often, we have obstacles in our lives that block his flow of blessings. That's why I'd love to send you a free copy of my latest life application booklet, Don't Miss Out on God's Blessing, to help you remove those obstacles. And with the life application questions at the end of each chapter, you'll be able to chew things over to really apply God's Word right into the realities of your life. You can request your free copy right now. Just stop by at ChristianityWorks.com or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415 and we'll send it straight out to you in the post. But this is the very last week that it'll be available, so don't miss out. Again, that's ChristianityWorks.com or 1-300-722-415. Now let's head back into God's Word. Terrible things are going on in this world. Christians are being persecuted, whether in the Middle East where whole families are being brutalized and even beheaded, or whether in the more safe and comfortable West where it seems that our faith is under assault from all directions, from secularism or hedonism or capitalism or pluralism or whatever other ism you'd like to name. Why is this persecution happening? I've tried praying, and it doesn't seem to make it one iota of difference in this world. Maybe it truly is a lost cause. Hmm. Have a listen to Jesus. Listen to what he said about this global persecution that so seems to be demoralizing so many Christians today. John chapter 15, verses 18 to 21. If the world hates you, be aware that it hated me before it hated you. If you belong to the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you don't belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, servants are not greater than their masters. If they persecuted me, they will certainly persecute you. If they kept my word, they'll keep yours too. But they will do all these things to you on account of my name, because they don't know him who sent me. I'll say it again. Persecution? is precisely what Jesus predicted would happen. Whether it's the atrocities happening to Christians in some parts of the world, or whether it's the creeping secularism and political correctness and threat of religious extremism that's disturbing those who live comfortably in the democratic Western nations, it's exactly what Jesus said would happen. It's exactly what the Bible says will happen to usher in the end. And in the end, Jesus wins. In the meantime, he's calling for his people to pray. And when you do, when you ask the Father for his will to be done in Jesus' name, you're doing the single most powerful thing that you can possibly do in the course of history. He's calling his people to stand up and be counted, to speak out, to love the lost, to stand up for the persecuted. So will you? Because if you believe in Jesus, then your life may be the only Bible that the people around you will ever read. You may be the only point of encounter that these people will ever have with Jesus Christ. How you speak, how you behave, how you live your life speaks of the authenticity of this Jesus to the people around you. 
And the very same is true of how I speak and how I behave and how I live my life. And doing what I do, my life is closely watched by the people around me, and rightly so, that they should expect a higher standard of teachers of God's word. I can preach until I'm blue in the face. I can preach the best, most powerful sermon that has ever been preached since Jesus. But if my life doesn't back up what I say, then it's completely worthless. And the same is true of you. The first, the most important, the only sermon that you and I preach that will ever really matter is the sermon we preach with our lives. And when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, filled to overflowing, then our lives are going to tell a new story, a different story, a story that is so compelling, a story that rings so true that people will be asking you for some of what you've got. The single most powerful thing that you and I can do to change this world is pray. The next most powerful thing that you and I can do to change this world is to live a life that is continually filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. And the more he works in us and through us, the more we will be amazed as we see the Holy Spirit change the course of people's lives and the very course of this world. Revelation chapter 11 verse 15. The seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. Remember, in the end, Jesus wins. In the end, the lion roars. In the meantime, he's looking for the likes of you and me to make that truth real in the lives of those around us. This Christianity Works program is sharing the powerful, practical Word of God with so many people in over 160 countries around the world. But that's only made possible through the generous support of friends just like you. Each dollar that you give today will grow to reach nearly 3,000 people with a gospel message. Incredible! That means that a gift today of just $35 can touch over 100,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ. So let me encourage you to give a generous tax-deductible gift of support to Christianity Works today. Securely online at ChristianityWorks.com or by calling 1-300-722-415. And when you do get in touch, two things. Firstly, don't forget to request your free copy of that life application booklet that I've been telling you about. It's only available for a limited time, so don't miss out. Secondly, we would love to pray for you. Absolutely. Just click on the powerful prayer tile at the bottom of the homepage. Again, that's all at ChristianityWorks.com or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Hey, thank you so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond. I'll catch you again same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.